I got a girl with a mind on love The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up Hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. This week, I have my brother on as we talk week two of the NFL season and we give a quick preview of week three. So guys, thanks for tuning in and listening in on the podcast. And um, if you guys haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to the podcast, rate it, like it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you guys listen to podcasts. So yeah, there's a lot of NFL news going on, so let's get into the podcast. Hello. Hey, Mike. Back for a week, what is it, previewing week three and reviewing week two? Can't believe the NFL season's flying by already. Two games down already. Yeah, and it's been a pretty exciting past two weeks here. A lot has changed since we first started with that week one preview. Um, honestly, can't believe how much has changed in just two weeks. But week three is going to be an exciting one. Yeah, it's, and I think what one of the things that you pointed out were the big changes that have happened over the course of just two weeks into the season and how much turnover and turmoil there's been across the league. I can't remember like a, a time like this in the NFL where so much has happened, where, whether it be off-field issues with Antonio Brown, uh, Jalen Ramsey has kind of talked about him wanting to get traded, their trades being happening with Minka Fitzpatrick getting traded uh, to the Steelers from Miami. Miami looks like they're kind of like tanking a la NBA uh, mm-hmm. style. Um, and then also just like the on-field uh, types of th- uh, things that have happened and all of the surprises that have happened on the field as well as I would say the biggest probably storyline has been the injuries to the starting quarterbacks. Do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so we, I mean, obviously we know about Drew Brees and uh, Big Ben as well, but those are like the two main ones that come to my mind. Uh, we had Nick Foles in week one as well. Um, you know, our Sam Darnold, the self-inflicted wound, of course, with uh, Mono. <laughs> right. Know, celebrating a little bit too hard in New York, it seems. But, um, yeah, our Jets, unfortunate. But, yeah, like a lot of injuries um, on and off the field. Um, I think that Drew Brees and, and Ben Big Ben are, like, the biggest two, kind of like two vanguards of the old guard of quarter, elite quarterbacks. Right, and it seems like both of them, with Big Ben probably out for the rest of the season, and uh, Drew Brees out for I believe six weeks. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So it's been a really interesting. I mean, I would say like turmoil and turnover in quarterbacks. You mentioned Darnold. Also, Eli Manning today it seems like he's getting benched in favor of the rookie Daniel Jones. So that's like another one of the older quarterbacks, kind of getting it turned over uh, to the newer quarterbacks or to, to one of these new quarterbacks. So out of those quarterback situations, teams wise, who do you think has like the most positive outlook out of those teams? I'm not sure that there are many teams with a very positive outlook. Um, I mean, the Jaguars, kind of a dumpster fire at this point with Jalen Ramsey wanting to leave. 
I mean, Gene Minshew looks like the best of the backup quarterbacks I've seen. Um, the Jets, horrible game we were watching yesterday. Just, just unfortunate. We got destroyed by OBJ and the Browns last night. Um, who else here? I mean, Big Ben, Steelers. I, I was extremely high on the Steelers preseason, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm officially taking that back. I'm out. I'm out on the Steelers. Very, very out on the Steelers. Um, I mean, Drew Brees, I would have to say the same. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I mean, that team is not going to have nowhere clear, like nowhere as close to a ceiling um, as they would with Brees. But I think that Teddy Bridgewater could at least win his games. Right. And and I think that's probably my bet on in terms of at least Drew Brees is going to be back in about six weeks and Teddy Bridgewater. Not that he's anywhere near like an above average quarterback, but I think he's probably the most close to average quarterback out of those group of guys that are replacing uh, the the starter that maybe he could keep things afloat. And maybe someone like Taysom Hill can is going to be able to kind of be utilized a, a lot more creatively in that offense. Um, which I think would kind of help the Saints, um, and and not that it's going to be any it's going to be easy at all. But I think that's probably where I would look towards in terms of them possibly having the best chance of staying afloat over the next six weeks or so. And I think one of the interesting things uh, coming out of week two is I think there's that stat that a lot of people like to quote in terms of out of the 0-2 teams that are currently 0-2, about 12.6% of teams um, make make it to the playoffs that start 0-2 um, since the start of the league um, was in an – or when there's like two playoff teams, I think – or two wildcard teams, I think, in 1990. Uh, since then, there's been, I believe, 12.5% of the teams that started 0-2 have advanced the playoffs. So, Mike, out of the 0-2 teams – and here, here, like, I would say the four teams that have the best shot the Steelers, the Panthers, the Jaguars, and the Broncos, out of those 0-2 teams, who would you like the best, if at all, any of them? I mean, I would have to say the Panthers here. Um, we, we we know the Falcons aren't very good. Um, the Buccaneers aren't very good. Um, I mean, the Saints with Drew Brees out. I mean, it's kind of an opportunity for the Panthers here. Um, they had two very rough games, but if you look at the, the start they have on defense, on offense, um, it, it's kind of a question if Cam really still has that that game in him. But um, honestly, they're a talented team. Um, I think that the Panthers are definitely, out of all those teams that you mentioned, my one to watch, I'm, I'm just out on the Steelers, right? I'm taking a hard 180 here, and um, I... I did not like what I saw at all in those first two games. And honestly, like, that's – it's it's going to be a tough road back. I mean, you still have the Ravens, Chargers, um, Rams. Like, it, it's, it's a hard division. And given what we've seen from the Ravens here, it's hard to say. Um, it, it's really hard to put my money on the Steelers at this point, especially with Big Ben out. 
Right. And like conversely from like the two and O teams, do you think like there's a bit of fool's gold from any of these two and O teams? Like I think there's a couple obvious teams to kind of look at. You look at the Buffalo Bills who ended up playing mm-hmm. the Jets and the Giants. Uh, there's a lot to be seen from them, even though they're two and zero. It just doesn't seem like. I, I'm curious to see if they're going to be able to sustain uh, that amount of success. And then also the 49ers are probably that surprise two and zero team as well, um, where maybe you know Jimmy G's kind of um, settling in. He looked pretty good against the that Bengals in that Bengals game. Um, and I was fairly impressed with his stats. So maybe he settled in. But I think a lot of people would be surprised that the 49ers started off 2-0, and even though the Bucks and the Bengals aren't necessarily great teams. Um, the fact that the 49ers are 2-0 and and might possibly challenge for an NFC wildcard spot um, is a fascinating storyline to me. Yeah, no, I think that those are those, those two make a lot of sense to me. But as I begin to really look at this 49ers schedule, I'm seeing Steelers, Browns, um, and then, you know, you have Rams, which is a loss, Redskins, Panthers, Cardinals, Seahawks, Cardinals. Uh, and for me, I, I'm i not as high on these Seahawks as other people are. I mean, you can't – I mean, they almost lost the Bengals week one. Um, and then they play a really depleted and honestly pretty sad Steelers team, and they barely get the win, albeit on the road. So I do have a lot of faith in Russell Wilson, which is one of those, honestly one of those above average and kind of, a, in my opinion, elite quarterbacks. Um, however, I'm not as sold on like the rest of this team in terms of their line, um, in terms of their offensive weapons. So, so yeah, Bill Markman is like a big believer in the Seahawks right now. Um, 49ers, Buffalo Bills as well. Those, those all make sense to me. But the rest of them, like the Cowboys look great. The Rams, solid enough. Um, and the Patriots, man, they are, they're, they're, they're just incredible. Yeah, I know. It's pretty incredible over the, past, over the course of two weeks. They haven't given up a touchdown yet. And it probably won't stop in week three either because they're playing our Jets. So, um, nope. yeah, it's uh, looking pretty bad for our Jets um, for this week and as well. But we'll get into get we'll get more into that later in the podcast. Um, but let's go through our week two games and kind of talk about maybe some uh, one of the maybe like one thing that caught our eye in each game and we'll kind of do like a quick rundown of maybe one surprising thing that we saw or one thing that caught our eye, one interesting thing um, or one interesting storyline in the game that maybe uh, will persist throughout the year. So let's start with our Jets versus Browns. I don't even really know where to start because like I just feel like the Jets season's already over. <laughs> and and I guess on, on the Brown side of things, my one take from them is even though it was a blowout and it was 23-3 to three, uh, to end the game, I wasn't necessarily impressed by the Browns' offense um, in terms of what they were able to get going. And I, it made me really question whether or not Baker Mayfield was any good. Mm. 
Yeah, no, I think that one surprising thing was even for how bad our guests lost, I, I also was kind of surprised how, how, you know, the Browns offense, and honestly, I, I guess their defense looks fine, but honestly their offense looked as well. Um, Baker did not look entirely comfortable. He had a pretty okay game, 19 for 35, one touchdown, one interception. Um, I mean, Nick Chubb didn't really get that much going on us. Odell Beckham Jr. really looked amazing there, and he, he turned some pretty medium, short to medium pass plays into like you know that one amazing touchdown, right? Um, he also made some pretty spectacular catches as well. But yeah, surprised how honestly, yeah, kind of mildly impressed I was with the Browns versus being kind of wowed. Right, and I, I mean, it, and if you like being Jets fans and knowing the secondary and how much, uh, how many struggles there are and how many people were being benched by Adam Gaze, like Ryan Khalil got benched in the fourth quarter. Um, even uh, our president Je- uh, Jamal Adams got mm. uh, benched in the fourth quarter because of a couple uncharacteristic plays. Uh, Tremaine Johnson ended up getting benched, like our whole team is falling apart. <laughs> like CJ Mosley didn't even play Quinn Williams, big baby didn't even play either. So it's like all these guys that were tasked to, to be essential parts of the jets team and future are just not even participating or playing um, in the second week of the season. So there's a lot of questions to be answered, I would say, over the next couple of weeks. And it's entirely possible the Jets start off 0-6, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's move on from the Jets. Uh, it's just too sad to talk about. Yeah, and prayers up to Trevor Simeon as he recovers from that ankle, and that, like, really brutal ankle injury, mm-hmm. and that – yeah, I guess the Jets are ro- rolling with Luke Falk, uh, third-string quarterback against God, the Patriots yeah. here, uh, this week. So, uh, yeah, I don't really – yeah, and the line this week is ridiculously crazy. Um, but let's move on. Let's talk about the Sunday night game, the Eagles versus the Falcons. Uh, really exciting game. Um, I felt one of the – like, my one interesting thing here was – the, I would say, play call on fourth and three by the Falcons to to kind of throw that bubble screen and just be like, or it was a brilliant play call and a really key block by Jake Matthews to get out um, in space and really uh, take that corner back out while Julio Jones ended up catching the ball and sprinting for 50 yards for the touchdown and that being the deciding play. But I was really impressed by that. And then I guess the other, the one big thing um, as the Eagles were driving to try to take the lead after the Julio Jones play was that huge drop by Nelson Aguilar. And that could probably be point or like pointed to because of some of the injuries that the Eagles dealt with at wide receiver with Deshaun being out with Alshon Jackson being out. So those, key injuries kind of um, put someone like Nelson Aguilar in that situation where he had to make a big play like that and he didn't come through. Yeah, I, yeah, those are interesting things to call out. And for me, I, 
I honestly am kind of surprised that the Falcons won. <laughs> um, I'm not a big believer in the Falcons team. Um, I'm not buying uh, this win as much. I mean, Matt Ryan, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Didn't look good, though. I'm not going to lie, just like did not look good. Um, and Atlanta's rushing was very surprising that Devontae Freeman, who, who I'd say like two, three years ago was, um, you know, getting you know, a really effective player, is kind of just not doing, not able to get anything on, on for Atlanta's uh, rushing attack. So um, for me, I, I'm just not buying Falcons here. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit higher on the Falcons than you are, but I think that the maybe the lack of a rushing um, attack could kind of be pointed to by the two injuries up front on the right side of the Atlanta Falcons offensive line. Uh, the two rookies, Chris Lindstrom and then Caleb McGarry, who ended up getting uh, carted off the field during the game. I, I just think those two injuries are really big injuries for that offensive line. Uh, two rookies that were that Atlanta was going to rely upon to help bolster their rushing attack, and now they're kind of scrambling and reshuffling their line. That maybe that's probably pointing towards some of the rushing and protection struggles that Atlanta is kind of going through right now. Mm-hmm. So I I'd just probably be looking out for that and seeing and and that being possibly being the reason why. Um, Atlanta struggling in that department. But I think it, this is a huge, crucial win, especially in the NFC um, NFC playoff race, especially against a team that um, Atlanta's probably going to be uh, facing off with in possibly the NFC wildcard race. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. And, uh, no, yeah, it, it's definitely a good, solid win for the Falcons overall, but I'm, you know, I know where you stood for the Falcons early on in the season. I kind of knew where I stood, and I think both of us are kind of sticking with our our original intuitions there. Right. It's one and one right now, so we'll see what ends up happening. It could get really bad really quickly, but we'll see. So, I think the one... I think the really interesting game of the week, and I think a lot of the maybe the pundits slash uh, NFL talking heads were talking about uh, Monday morning, doing their Monday morning quarterbacking, was the Bears versus Broncos game. And just like the whole sequence that ended up like that whole sequence towards the end of the game is just was just kind of mind boggling to me. I don't. Like, I think that was my whole – that's, like, my one interesting thought, like, that whole sequence. I don't even really know what to say about it, and there's, like, so much to break down from it. And I, I had it written down so I didn't forget uh, what what happened. So Brandon McManus ends up missing um, – I believe it was a, a extra point, and they – to tie the game. But what ends up happening is he misses that extra point, but the the Bears are offsides, so that ends up moving the ball closer um, during the conversions. So they end up deciding to go for two after the miss. Uh, they go for two point a two point conversion, huge ballsy call by Vic Fangio. They end up getting the two point conversion. Then um, during that. 
during that whole sequence after uh, the Bears get the ball back, Bradley Chubb ends up getting a roughing the passer call. And that's kind of been, I don't know if you've noticed over the past two weeks or so, the roughing the passer calls have been super inconsistent in terms of what um, is a roughing the passing call and what isn't. And I don't know how you felt about watching maybe the Bradley Chubb play, but to me that didn't look like a roughing the passer call at all. Yeah, and I I think that the NFL has to just get some consistency. So for the listeners out there, you know, I work for a uh, data labeling startup in uh, SF here, and uh, yeah, maybe the NFL could uh, potentially use us to, you know, label some of these plays because there's just no consistency right now with with how some of these plays are being called, right? And and it's really unfortunate that one of these like missed calls or honestly some of these like botch calls are are kind of affecting the game and and to a very disproportionate level. Like the biggest example would be last year Saints Ram. Um, you just have to you have to have some consistency to make some of these calls. Correct. So that's like. And there's the countless other examples of roughing the passer calls that have been kind of questionable throughout throughout the league that you kind of look at that and you're just like, hmm, I'm not exactly sure. And earlier in the game, a lot of Bears fans were pointing out, um, or Broncos fans were, I, I believe Bears fans were pointing out how that ended up happening to them um, as well in terms of a couple roughing the passing calls not being called and or being called and when they shouldn't have been. So maybe the calls even out, but just to have it happen in that critical juncture, it was pretty unfortunate for Broncos fans. And then I, I just thought the sequence at the end was fascinating when Mitchell Trubisky had nine seconds left or uh, on the, or in, in game time. And he ends up scrambling, finds a guy open in the middle of the field. Guy goes down, and there's two seconds left, two, one. And then it seems like time expires. Broncos are on the field celebrating, and then it goes up for a review. And within that one second, the timeout gets called and then recognized by the refs. It it just seems really – I don't know how – like – the I, I I don't know how you feel about like the timeout being called or what whether or not that was the right right call uh, by the refs. But what what were your thoughts on that? I mean, it just uh, it, it it's tough to say, but it just like it, it really swung the game. I, I'm not sure that it you know I, I I'm not sure that it should have been called, but. I, at the same time, like of course Chicago is going to use its its last timeout. So I mean, the, for the referees, like you have to be on the lookout for that. Right, and then the and then the Bears, Eddie Pinheiro ends up kicking the fifty three yard field goal, kind of exercising the demons that Cody mm-hmm. Parkey brought from their playoff loss last year. Mm-hmm. Um, incredible to see a Bears kicker end up coming through for them so that was I guess like the one silver lining of watching this game that Bears fans could look at this and say hey at least we have a kicker um, that can kick for us in in games so that I mean 
he's got to sign like a four-year extension coming out of this game, correct? Like just by making that one goal, <laughs> it, it was just pretty incredible that all those all those events led up to the 53-yard field goal for for that to end up happening. Um, incredible way to end the game um, and really exciting. Yeah, definitely, definitely one of the most more exciting uh, games. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed this game. There were quite a few other games that were not as as close. And um, I mean, do we want to talk quickly about this Patriots Dolphins game, or should we just pass? Um, the only stuff that I had was uh, Pats look unbeatable. That's literally my note. Pats look mm-hmm. unbeatable. AB's kind of seamlessly integrated into the offense already caught a touchdown. Um, Although there's like all this off field uh, stuff going Mm -hmm. on and there's like an update where there's like a second accuser that's kind of accused AB of sexual assault as well. So that's a, that's another situation to monitor throughout the season and whether or not that kind of affects the Patriots and, and I, I guess on the other side of things for the Dolphins, uh, the two things that I wrote, and I think this, I think me, and not to talk about the Dolphins for a prolonged amount of time, but the Minka Fitzpatrick trade to the Steelers for a first round pick, I found really interesting. And the reason why is maybe because it's a microcosm of something bigger that's happening for mm-hmm. the Dolphins in terms of them maybe looking at the model of and of the NBA and how certain teams were tanking in the NBA to have a chance to draft a lottery pick or have a chance to draft the number one pick or acquire the number one pick through the draft lottery. Whereas in the NFL, if you had the worst record, you're going to get the number one pick. And I'm surprised more teams haven't done this. And the Dolphins just seem like they're kind of going full Philly mode uh, a la the process and just saying, you know what, we're pretty much punting on this season and we're hoping for the number one pick, hoping for maybe Tua Tagovailoa in the NFL draft, selecting him number one and just uh, starting from there. And I, I, I just wanted to gather your thoughts on uh, maybe the Dolphins' thought process of them possibly tanking and the the parallels between the NF like the real realities of tanking in the NFL compared to the NBA. Yeah, I, I think that we've seen it in the NBA for quite a few years now. Um, obviously, Philly making it famous with the process, but I mean, in the NFL right now, I I just I am surprised it hasn't happened already. But the Dolphins seem to really be going for it. Um, I mean, they are going to get that number one pick at this rate. Like, they should get the number one too, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but right now, what I, I mean, I I do think that it makes sense, especially if you're looking for that. Um, if there's that clear cut number one, um, there are like a, a number of you know very good number one pick quarterbacks that have been taken in the past. But at the same time, like they're I think Mitchell Trubisky was like taking over, uh, like Patrick Mahomes, right? And Deshaun um, Watson. Deshaun Watson, right? And then we have Lamar Jackson taking it, pick number thirty-two, right? It, it's so there's 
you know, obviously it's not like the NBA in some sense, in my opinion, where the clear-cut number one, like we know Anthony Davis is going to be good. We know that Zion's going to be a game-changer. Like a strong indication that these number one picks like LeBron James are going to be a game-changer. It's not as um, the expected value from some of these players at that number one position. There's just a lot more variance, it seems, in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's kind of probably the reason why a lot of teams don't tank as much and the idea of the the impact that one player can have on a 53-man roster is I think a little bit the reason why uh, NFL teams view tanking and drafting the number one player maybe if it's a quarterback they have that same amount of value as maybe a star player in the NBA, but just the amount of output that they have in comparison to maybe a star NBA player and the effect they have on a game isn't as much um, in comparison. And I think that's probably the reason why you see a lot of NFL teams not tank because of that variance that you were speaking to. Yep. Yep. But other than that, for the Pats-Dolphins game, yeah, not much else. Pats look unbeatable, and yeah, like, they look like they're going to make the the AFC Championship game again and then possibly make a Super Bowl run. Um, Maybe too early to tell, but it seems like it's kind of destined for for the Pats-Chiefs in the AFC title game. Yeah, they they are the clear-cut two teams um, that I have in – in the AFC. Yeah, and I think the third like who's the third team in the in the league like right now? Who would you say the third team in the AFC is? Probably Baltimore, correct? I mean, yeah, probably I I would have to say Baltimore at this point. I mean, uh, and then yeah, and then one, right, and then when you get to fourth, it starts getting like Chargers. the Chargers or the Texans like one of those teams, like it, it gets, it starts getting really hairy, right? The Buffalo Bills, exactly. So, Bills. I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna them. get. I mean, yeah, the Bills, they're gonna play the Dolphins twice, and uh, they'll probably get another win on their Jets. So, we're already looking at like five wins there. Like, honestly, yeah. I, I mean, we could take a quick look at this. Uh, Talk quickly about the Bills game, but also some of their schedule and see if they actually have a chance of making this wild card. But, you know, they're playing the Titans, the Bengals this week, uh, <laughs> the Redskins, uh, the Broncos, the Steelers. That's a very winnable game for them, in my opinion. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills make the playoffs at this point. Yeah, especially with the two wins that they have in the bag already. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it wouldn't be a surprise at all. Like, the, and I think the biggest biggest storyline coming out of the Giants-Bills game is probably the Eli change that we alluded to earlier in the podcast for Daniel Jones. And it's pretty much the end of an era for Eli and mm-hmm. probably a Hall of Fame quarterback with two Super Bowl wins, even yep, though maybe yep. he might not have, like, the regular season stats slash uh 
win percentage in the regular season to elevate him into those elite, elite quarterbacks. And I don't think people would really think about Eli Manning as one of the elite quarterbacks during this generation in terms of maybe a top five, top three list. I'm not sure many people would name Eli Manning as the quarterback they would have, but he came through in the biggest moments um, and took down, took down the, uh, the pass in, in 07 and 2011. So that's kind of probably he sealed his legacy there and he turns it over to Daniel Jones, who looks actually fairly good in some of the limited time that he's had in the preseason. So I wonder how that transition goes for the Giants. Yeah, I mean, just quick storyline for me from that Bills Giants game. I mean, Josh Allen doesn't look as bad as think, right? He seems kind of dynamic there. Like he's got the rush, he's got you know he's got the mobility in the pocket. Um, his passing has been a lot more accurate than I thought. Um, yeah, he looks he looks good. I'll be honest, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, end of an era for Eli and uh, and the Giants. I mean, yeah, probably a Hall of Fame quarterback. Never made an all-pro team, but when he needed to beat the Pats for the rest of the world, like he, he was able to be that, that hero for all of us. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, tip our hat off to Eli, and hopefully uh, he rides this off into, into the sunset and kind of mm-hmm. enjoys retirement next year. So the next thing that I did want to talk about, speaking of, QB changes, and we alluded to it obviously earlier on, and you talked about your feelings about the Seahawks, but the Seahawks versus Steelers game was, I thought, really fascinating because when I was watching the highlights of the game, I was like Mason Rudolph, while he's nothing close to maybe Big Ben's um, creativity in the pocket and just being able to keep plays alive. I I was it's not that I was impressed by him but I was also I was also like oh it seems like he knows the offense decently well and can kind of um he can be an average quarterback for the Steelers um I wonder if he has enough talent around him um to be able to keep the season afloat for the Steelers and Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record went as the head coach of the Steelers. So, I, I mean, there's a couple of factors playing in there. But, I mean, that was a tough loss, obviously, against the Seahawks. And you've kind of alluded to how you don't really trust the, the Seahawks and how, um, how close their wins have been um, the past two weeks. Yeah, I mean, for, for me here... I just interesting game. Unfortunate that I was so high on the Steelers early on, and I'm I'm gonna take that back. Um, I'm I'm out on the Steelers. Uh, honestly, I I was actually quite impressed with Rudolph. Um, I do think that he actually looked pretty decent. And if I look at some of his stats, you can compare it to Ben Roethlisberger's, and Ben Roethlisberger looked horrible that game. Like this, this offense. I, I'm kind of shocked how bad it is, but maybe we were underestimating the impact of losing like two game-changing talents in, in, in like Bell and um, Antonio Brown. Even though Bell wasn't there, 
Um, like Connor has not been able to get much going. Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, there was a lot of hype, and I kind of bought into that hype. But honestly, is he? Is, can he be that wide receiver one, an elite wide receiver one for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, so far, uh, it, jury's still out, right? Um, so honestly, the Steelers haven't been as impressive as I would have liked. Russell Wilson looks just unbelievable that game. Um, 29 for 35, 300 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean, the Seahawks looks relatively good there. Um, but I'm just, I'm still not sold on the weapons for Russell Wilson here. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's, for me, the Steelers, it's, it's tough to say if they'll make the playoffs. I, I, I think I might be out on them. Yeah. Especially if they been out. Right. And I think that's entirely conceivable. I just think that, you know, Mason Rudolph won't be as bad as someone like, Luke Falk or Trevor Simeon looked for the Jets. Oh god. So so yeah. Oh no, yeah, Mason Rudolph looked okay. Yeah, he looked decent. So like maybe he can keep things afloat. Now, I wanted to talk about the Colts versus Titans because and I think the one interesting thing was coming out of the game, um, even though the Colts won, were all the questions about Adam Vinatieri, is he ready to hang it up? Uh, because of all the field goals and extra points that he's missed over the past two weeks of the NFL season and how that, I don't know, we could probably come up with a segment um, of the week where we just talk about like most crucial kicks missed because of all the kicks that are being missed because the extra point tries now that it's been moved back uh, to like a 35 year yard try. Um, So it's based, so you always see like an extra point missed here or there throughout the um, throughout the week, but Vinatieri's kind of struggled over the past couple weeks of the season, and they probably could have won the first game um, of the year, and he, he almost cost them game number two as well. So I wonder if he's going to be able to turn it around. Um, yeah, I mean, if I were the Colts, I'd have to make a, a business decision here. <laughs> And, you know, honestly, it, it's a tough call, but it seems like Adam Vinatieri was open to the idea of of honestly retiring. That's that's what I gather from some of his comments, um, some of his cryptic comments. But, yeah, I, I'm looking at the Colts here and, you know, and Adam Vinatieri, and they've had a long run. But when you're 46, like, it's, it's tough to say whether it's worth it at that point. And I think that for both parties, they need to figure something out where, um, yeah, honestly, I, I might make a business decision here and move on. Yeah, it's well, it seems like right now, as of today, Vinatieri says he's never considered retiring in the middle of the year, and it looks like he's staying on with the Colts. Uh, we'll see how long that goes. As We'll see how long that goes. Um if the struggles continue, but I think he's pretty much earned enough equity there that he's pretty much given himself the opportunity to work it, work these troubles out. So that it'll be interesting to monitor that um, as well. So moving on to, I would say the chargers versus Lions game, was there an interesting take that you had during this game? Um, 
the, I would say the Lions being 1-0-1 and being undefeated, not having a loss is fairly surprising <laughs> to me, at least, especially with the Chargers um, um, coming into town and the Lions pulling off a win. Um, the Chargers just, while they were moving the ball well, they just weren't able to execute at the right moments during this game. And I wonder if that's a sign of things to come. Uh, there's two key plays where uh, before the Austin Eckler fumble at the goal line, um, Eckler ended up having a TD called back. And then Justin Jackson also had a TD called back on the same drive because of two penalties. I think it was an offensive holding and a illegal block in the black block in the back. So those, you, you just see these key moments during games kind of shift whether or not something else could have happened. Um, and it could have been a lot, oh, a, a, a way different result for the chargers, but some of these mistakes being compounded upon themselves, especially those two huge mistakes where they, they could have had two possible touchdowns and then it being comp- compounded with them losing the ball at the goal line with the Eckler fumble, I thought really costed them the game. Yeah, honestly, like I'm not even, I mean, looking at some of the, uh, the penalty for, uh, I believe it was with Justin Jackson one, um, it, it honestly it, some 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 interesting and kind of rough calls for the Chargers um, that are kind of typical Chargers like always such a talented team but losing in the worst ways whether it be kicking some officiating etc. Um, but yeah, I, I am surprised to see the Detroit Lions at one zero in one and it's I mean I'm, I'm not particularly buying into it. But I've always thought Stafford was talented. I think Kareem Johnson is talented. They definitely got the receivers. Um, they've got playmakers on defense, uh, like Darius Slay. So the team is relatively talented. In the Cardinals, we saw they put up a decent fight against the Ravens. Um, they're not a pushover. In the Chargers, it's an impressive win. But it, it's honestly a game that if I were watching, the Chargers probably would have won like 7 out of 10. Yeah, totally. Right. Just with the way they were moving the ball on offense. And you you mentioned my probably one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL right now, Lamar Jackson, uh, right now just tearing it up for the Ravens and the way he's just he's just so electrifying being able to throw the ball and then uh Michael Vick esque in terms of him running the ball and the way he's able to move um, within the pocket and create some of that excitement. And Baltimore Ravens have really built an offense around Lamar's Jackson skill skill set. And I'm really looking forward to this week three game um, against the Chiefs and whether or not um, Baltimore is able to keep it up against an elite team. And I think they should be able to offensively just because this Chiefs team's not great defensively, but um, yeah, it, it, it was Lamar's been really exciting to watch thus far throughout the season. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they played the Dolphins and the Cardinals, so I know a lot of people are anointing the the Ravens here and Lamar Jackson. I think he's earned a lot of it, so kudos to him and 
like anytime you're putting up, you know, 272 passing yards and 120 rushing yards, um, it's an impressive thing, right? But for me, I, I'm not, I'm not all in on the Ravens just yet, right? And honestly, that whole division ended up a lot weaker than we thought. Um, and I think that they still will win it because everything I've seen from the Steelers has not looked um, anything remotely like a playoff team. But uh, I, I wouldn't say that I I think that they are in honestly the same level of a Chiefs or like a, a Patriots team. They totally. So I think I think there's two games that I want to talk about really quickly. Packers Vikings. The one big storyline from this game for me, at least, was <laughs> Packers started off hot and then they just went cold throughout the rest of the game. And it's kind. it was kind of troubling to me to see, you know, a lot of people anointing Aaron Rodgers as the best quarterback in the league and him just being able to – just struggling um, throughout the second half of that game. So that was that one – like maybe the one thing that I would watch out for to see whether or not uh, Green Bay is able to work out some of the offensive kinks and – you know, maybe rely a little bit more on the running game in Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, who've proven that they can run the ball in this league. Yeah, I mean, I thought you were going to talk about Kirk Cousins, and that's kind of why I started chuckling. Well, Kirk Cousins, yeah, I mean, we could have talked about that, but I think that gives you an opening to kind of go off on him. Like, so why don't you go do that right now? And, 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 and man, this. I actually do think that Kirk Cousins is not a bad quarterback. I always liked him on the Redskins, but man, this Vikings team has not been a good fit for him. And and, um, and yeah, I mean, I think that there's one interception where he was in the red zone and pedaling backwards, just throws it up in, in like double coverage. And, and you're like, what in the world was he thinking for that kind of play? Like, Yeah, I'm not years. sure I could tell you. I'm not and, sure I could tell you. And yeah, so he's a he's a super frustrating player. I would hate for him to be my quarterback, to be honest. Um, um, but yeah, that that was what was surprising to me. I mean, Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, we both listen to certain people in the media, and he's honestly a really polarizing figure. But for me, he is he is still like one of the top three most talented quarterbacks in the NFL for me. Right, maybe top two. Yeah, he still is. It's just I think, um, you know, I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast and them kind of talking about certain stats about I think Aaron Rodgers being 500 over his last however many games and him not looking as good um, stats-wise and just him whether or not he can stay healthy and all these storylines but he's uber talented it's just whether or not he's able to kind of carry this team and put it all together and I think some of the great great quarterbacks like Tom Brady where maybe the system is in place with Tom Brady but Brady seems like he's able to produce no matter what's around him whereas Rodgers needs other things to help him go right and I think that's kind of maybe the difference between the two. Um, maybe it's a little unfair to compare the two 
um, because Brady's just the all-time best. So, I mean, I think that's where a lot of people kind of um, have trouble making those two, those comparisons between the two. Um, I think the one last game that I wanted to talk about and maybe kind of delve into a deeper point about player empowerment um, and kind of making – we're kind of making a lot of NBA references today um, and the cross-sport cross references in terms of whether or not the NBA is bleeding into NFL um, front office thinking in that you kind of look at the Texans-Jags game and there's a lot of questions about whether or not Jalen Ramsey is going to leave because of his trade request that he demanded um, and whether or not this is a new era in the NFL of player empowerment and uh, whether these players can kind of enforce some of these, I guess, goals of trying to shift where they want to play and be able to have a little bit more control over their contract situation. It seems like Antonio Brown kind of forced his way out of the, um, off the Raiders. You kind of see uh, Le'Veon Bell from last year, you know, sitting out a year, forcing his way out and going to the Jets, Melvin Gordon's currently sitting out. Um, Jalen Ramsey requests a trade. Do you think this is a sign for more things to come? Um, And the NFL players are seeing what's happened in the NBA and all that player empowerment that's going on that it's bled over into the NFL. I I, I mean, I do to some degree, and I think that – um, it's a lot more about like the star player empowerment movement, if that makes sense. So Le'Veon Bell, Jalen Ramsey, a lot of stars feel like that they have honestly like the the individual pull to to be able to move to what situation they want to move to. And it's similar with the NBA. Um, if you're a role player, um, it, it's it's a lot harder in both sports to honestly feel like you can move in. I think that in the NBA, in the NFL, a lot of these role players do get signed on these shorter-term contracts that are one to two years, and increasingly so. A lot of teams are starting to value a lot more of that short-term flexibility. Um, But, yeah, I do think that on the lower end, it's more these short one- to two-year deals, and there's still going to be a lot of churn, a lot of of movement. But increasingly, you used to have that one player who is – kind of tied to the franchise, and I think that we're starting to see a lot less of that um, in particular. Totally agree. So, Mike, why don't we move on to week three and talk about our thoughts um, on the week three matchups of the NFL season. So we're going to do a little, do things a little bit differently this week. We're going to kind of give our superlatives for each game kind of give like a little tagline for each game and what we think is going to like how we're going to summarize each game. So Mike, I'm going to just read off the game to you and maybe you give me a tagline and maybe we could go back and forth and switch, um, switch um, games and kind of talk about our taglines. So Mike, I'll give you the Thursday night game Titans versus Jaguars. Oof. Hmm. I mean, 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of a good superlative for the Titans Jaguars, and some of them immediately come to mind for some other games like Jets Patriots. Um, but for Titans and Jaguars, I mean, let's Thursday let's night stinker. Thursday night stinker. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's not it's not a great game. Um, it's not a game that you know if I have a late night of work that I'm gonna try and wrap up things to get to watch. Um, but but yeah, for me this is the the AFC South like it, it's a stinker. It's a Thursday night stinker, um, and yeah, it's it, it's 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 a disappointing game to have to watch on a Thursday. So it's I mean the Southern AFC South stink. I mean stinker. That alliteration is really coming into play. <laughs> I mean when you don't have many like original thoughts that just immediately go to alliteration. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So what what game do you have for me? Let me try to come up with a tagline off the top. I mean, we could talk about, I mean, I'll give you a harder one here. I think uh, the Broncos-Packers. Broncos-Packers. Um, okay. Broncos-Packers. I think the really interesting thing here probably talk about Joe Flacco. We didn't really mention him. So is Joe Flacco a starting quarterback? That's like probably my tagline from this week. Um, Just kind of seeing whether or not Flacco can get it done um, during in, in this Green Bay game and whether or not they kind of think about maybe moving on to, and especially um, with some of the players that the Broncos have, I think a lot of people thought they would be better than 0-2 and whether or not they start the Drew Locke era earlier than um, people think, especially if Joe Flacco isn't able to show some of the improvement uh, this week. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I, I haven't been unimpressed with um, Joe Flacco. He's just been average, right? He hasn't played horribly in, in in both the games, and he has decent connections with with Cortland Sutton and and um, you know Emmanuel Sanders. So I haven't been like extremely unimpressed. I would have thought that yeah, they could have put up more points, um, but honestly, the defense hasn't looked as explosive to me overall. Hmm. I think that's also a fair assessment as well. And I wonder how they bounce back from that really tough week two loss against the Bears. Mm-hmm. So maybe bounce back week. So, Mike, I'll give you an easy toss-up. Air Jets versus the Patriots. I mean... It's the biggest blowout of the week, again. It's like, and how how high can the line go? <laughs> I mean, seriously? Yeah. So the line here, and for, for those who... Um, I'm not familiar with sports betting. It's New England minus 23. So what that basically means is that, um, you know, if you were to bet on the Jets win, you would get 23, 23 points, right? So, so basically, you know, to win the bet, we would have to, you know, the Jets would have to just get within 23 points of the Patriots. Um, and, yeah, that's the highest line, I think. I, I've... Why don't we also throw the Cowboys and the Dolphins in there as well as highest line this week 
Though it's crazy competing. It's yeah. crazy that the line for the Jets is higher than the Dolphins. Like, holy crap. Like, our Jets are somehow worse than the Dolphins. Or, honestly, the Patriots is historically good. But, yeah, I've never seen a line this high, in my opinion. I've yeah. never seen a line this high, actually. Yeah, I'd be... I'd be impressed if the Jets scored a touchdown this week, especially with um, the struggles for both the the teams that the Patriots played um, the past two weeks um, in the Dolphins and the, um, the Oh, I'm sorry, the Dolphins. Who'd they play week one? Uh, Steelers. Yeah, Dolphins and the Steelers not scoring a touchdown. So I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, Jets didn't score a touchdown this week. Um, yeah, the line yeah. seems – it's like it's a line too low. I mean, to be very honest, like, yeah, we're definitely yeah. not as good as the Steelers. And um, they got blown out by 30. And, I mean, I think we're better than the Dolphins. But, I mean, the line should honestly be minus 30 here, which is incredible. <laughs> like I would not be surprised either if it got to somewhere like 24 25 points which is kind of ridiculous to say in an NFL game and you start thinking like college we're playing college football where it's like an FCS uh 1AA team versus like uh Alabama so this is like the type of mismatch we're talking about and it's pretty incredible that the uh, the what's it called the spread is this um wide between both of these teams so um yeah it's not it's not looking great for the jets or the dolphins um so we're hoping for better days just for the jets um mike any uh what other games do you have on the slate i got uh Bengals and bills for you uh the Bengals and the uh the boring B teams. <laughs> I mean, I just don't know, like other than maybe watching Josh Allen, seeing whether or not he can, um, I would say exploit um, that Bengals defense. I think, and I think that's probably the one interesting storyline, whether or not Josh Allen's going to be able to take over in this game. It seems like Allen is probably the uh, competing as one of the top quarterbacks um, out of his draft class, especially with Sam Darnold kind of struggling. Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen for the Dolphins is kind of, I I don't know like what that situation's like at all. Um, so it seems like between him and Baker Mayfield and uh, Lamar, it's kind of between those threes and whether or not. Um, one of those three guys can take the mantle and see what, uh, and be the best quarterback in that draft class. So out of those, like, I don't know, the boring B teams, that's kind of my tagline for this, this game. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I, I think that my spirit of fear is like, honestly, Bengals beat Bills, like, or something like that. Like I, I, I could see the Bengals beating the Bills here actually. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't be a shocking result. The Bills probably played two of the worst teams in the NFL um, to start the to start their season with the Jets and the Giants. So this would I, not that it's going to really reveal too much about where the Bills' season is going to go, but 
if they win this game and they start three and L, like I think they have a really decent shot at making uh, a playoff run in the in the weekend AFC, especially with a bunch of different players um, out and teams kind of struggling that we didn't foresee struggling. So that's probably uh, what I see for the Bills Bengals game. So Mike. I got – let me give you uh, the probably the most exciting game of the week, Ravens-Chiefs. What's your tagline for this? I think that, for me, this is uh, – let's let's think a little bit. But it, it's, it's definitely for superlative. It's like the game the, – probably the number one game you want to watch that week, right? And I'll, uh, it's pretty clear why. I mean, you – you just have a, a game that could be like our potential AFC championship game. Um, I mean, it doesn't have the Patriots here, but I'd say these are the number two and three team in the AFC. Um, and what will be really exciting, and what makes it the most exciting game to watch of the week is Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. And for me, I think that Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback in, in the NFL right now. He's doing some incredible. I mean, we just we just saw that Raiders game where he, you know, it was like third and twenty, third and fifteen, and they go for a touchdown. Like it, it was electric, and I honestly am curious to see. I don't know if the Ravens will be able to keep up. I don't know if any team could keep up with this offense and how explosive it, it is, even without Tyreek Hill. Um, so for me, this is the most exciting game to watch. Don't miss it. It's 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 gonna be it's gonna be exciting. And I mean, I'm not as high on the Ravens, so for me, I think that this could be a potential blowout. Potential, especially at home. Yeah, totally. I think it'll be I think it'll be a really interesting game to watch. But I think the Chiefs end up pulling it out and kind of show the separation between uh, the top tier teams in the AFC to maybe the next tier, the next level down. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, the next game that I'll, I'll, I'll bring up with you is, um, you know, we're talking about a team like, you know, the Steelers 49ers game right here. It's, it's an interesting one for me, at least. Steelers 49ers. Um, does Jimmy G keep it rolling? I think that's probably the tagline that I have for this team. Um <laughs> Like I kind of mentioned Mason Rudolph and whether or not he's going to be able to adequately adequately fill the shoes of uh, Big Ben earlier on in the podcast, which I think he'll be able to do maybe like 65 to 70% of what Big Ben does. I think for maybe 120. I mean, he Big Ben did not look good. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening. But I just thought, uh, Jimmy G's kind of shown, especially last week against um, against the um, sorry the Bengals, he's shown that he's been able to really perform well. And whether or not he's able to get some actual consistency going, um, especially because he was injured pretty much all of last year, and a lot I mean a lot's expected out of him, especially with the money and the contract that he has. And whether or not he is able to consistently perform at a high level, and that's what Kyle Shanahan probably wants out of his team. And if he's able to do that, then I think this 49ers team could be the surprise NFC team coming 
um, into the NFC playoff picture. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. So, Mike, I got the next one I got for you is uh, Texans Chargers. What do you think about that? I think that, yeah, so for me, this is a battle, um, the best battle of one-on-one teams of the week. And it's it's you would think that one of these two teams would be 2-0, but um, both had somewhat uh, tough losses, right, Chargers against Lions and um, Texans against the Saints. But both of these teams, I think, are, are talented, have playoff potential. And so for that reason, they are my number one, 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 one and one game to watch. So it, it'll be an exciting one. And um, yeah, you're going to have one team that's one and two. Um, that honestly is still a legitimate playoff contender here. So moving on from that game, um, yeah, let's let let's talk about the Falcons and Colts. Falcons, Colts. Let's see. My tagline for this game is, I think I'm all. I think I'm in on the Colts uh, in terms of just like, I think they're gonna, and maybe for the rest of the season, like I would not be surprised that if the Colts are able to pull it off in the AFC South, especially with like all four of those teams kind of being bunched up together and no one really like looking the best out of those four teams, if I had to put my money on it, I'd probably pick um, the Houston Texans, but I wouldn't be surprised the Colts being at home in this game, beating the Falcons and the Falcons, while they beat the Eagles at home last week, they did look shaky. Um, we alluded to it earlier in the podcast, Matt Ryan throwing three picks. Um, everywhere else on the Colts roster, other than the quarterback, is a relatively solid roster surrounded, surrounding Jacoby Brissett. So I – and Marlon Mack shown he can run the ball um, really consistently. Mm-hmm. Jordan Wilkins last week showed that he can run the ball as well. Um, so – yeah, don't sleep on the Colts. That's kind of my thing um, going into this game. So, Mike, I think go, and I think you'd kind of agree with me, wouldn't you? Especially with what your thoughts are on the Falcons. It seems like you're kind of out on them. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I'm out on the Falcons for sure. Um, but for me, the Colts here, I, I think that the Colts are. I, I just think that they're an okay team, right? I think that losing luck, your star quarterback, is a lot – it's a huge deal, right? And it's got a lot of press on it. Um, I know some of, you know, the podcasts we listen to, like a Benson, like a Bill Simmons, like they're still high in the Colts. But for me, it's – it's. I, I don't know. I guess they would only have to beat out the um, – honestly, the Texans here, right? I, I think that the Texans are more talented overall, but, you know, that win against Jaguars was not super inspiring. Um, while the Colts did look quite impressive against what I think is some tough competition in the, uh, the Titans. But, but yeah, I mean, that, that AFC South, like, I, I think it's totally up for grabs. I, I could totally see the Colts winning the division as well. All right. So Mike, I got Lions and Eagles for you. What's your what's your thought on that game? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that this is Eagles rolling. Like, Eagles, so as much as, it, it's crazy because I was, it, it's a bounce back, it's a bounce back game for the Eagles, and we get to see who the Lions really are. And um, honestly, not a super impressive team. I mean, I was talking about how they had some strong players on the offensive end and a lot of positions, but for me, the Eagles team has a lot more talent, um, especially, honestly, like the quarterback position. Um, they're just such a deep team offensively and defensively, and that's kind of been the storyline around the Eagles um, throughout the entire like preseason and leading up to this year. So I think the Eagles bounce back um, in a big way at home against the Lions uh, and get the win here um, quite comfortably. That was exactly my thoughts <laughs> regarding this game. Bounce back, Eagles. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so we have Saints and Seahawks for you. Saints, Seahawks. Um, yeah, I wish Drew Brees was playing in this game. <laughs> game. <laughs> like, that's probably the tagline. Um, yeah, I I just think there's going to be – it's going to be really tough for the Saints to manufacture – um, offense while they have pieces in Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas surrounding Teddy Bridgewater. And I'm curious to see how they utilize Taysom Hill uh, within the offense, because maybe he gets more of an expanded role now that Bridgewater's in at quarterback. I, it, It's almost like this game would have been pretty amazing to watch if Breeze was playing in it. Um, and, you know, there's all those memories about the, that NFC divisional game a, a, a couple years back um, when Marshawn Lynch went on that crazy run against that Saints defense, um, which was like, you know, where he ends up kind of like steamrolling past and breaking all these tackles and, and kind of mm-hmm. having the memories of all that. And with Drew Brees kind of like the shot of Drew Brees just being shocked um, on the sidelines, like it would have just been really fun and exciting to watch um, Drew Brees kind of conduct this offense um, on the road against Seattle. And I thought it, it would have been like one of those really pivotal games, um, clarifying who's good, who's bad in the NFC. And I think we're robbed of that because of the Drew Brees injury. So this game is one of those games where I think maybe Seattle um, wins a closer one than I think people might expect. Kind of like the past two games Seattle has played um, throughout the season um, in game in weeks one and two. But I think Seattle ends up pulling it out. Um, but it's one of those games where I wish the Saints were at full strength to kind of see what the playoff picture would have been in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. I mean, for for this game, yeah, I just don't think, like, poor Teddy. Poor Teddy. He's going to have a rough, rough time against that Seahawks. Uh, front seven. Jadevian um, coming for us. Yeah, no, he's, <laughs> he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. And, um, yeah, like, we'll see if his decision-making is fast enough. But poor Teddy. I think he gets sacked a few times. Yep. So, Mike... I got for you Rams Browns. Yeah, I mean Rams Browns. 
So it's going to be at Cleveland. I mean, <clears throat> so Sunday night game, Sunday nighters, surprise Sunday. Yeah, so it's a Sunday night game. Uh, it's hmm. yeah. Looking at this at this game here, I mean, surprising line, right? I mean, I, I you have the Rams by minus three, so the Rams are getting three points. Um, you know, are, are people still overestimating the Browns? It's like that, right? And I think that a lot of the hype has kind of run out on the Browns. But I mean, I think that this is a game where you know they're going up against some real tough competition. And if you ever want to make a case that they're a playoff contender, we'll see it this weekend um, against the Rams. But for me, I think that the height dies for the Browns this this week. And I think the Rams just, yeah, roll through them. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. I think the Rams kind of flex their muscles here and really show what it takes to take maybe the next step into elite, um, into, into what it takes to be an elite NFL team. And I think that there's going to be a differentiation between um, the Browns and the Rams in this game. Yep, and especially in coaching. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's going to – you'll see, like, the innovative nature. Um, you'll see um, with uh, Sean McVay um, and that Rams offense. Yep. Yeah, and moving on from that one, what about Raiders and Vikings? Raiders, Vikings? I think I might have my upset special this week. Um, I think Ooh. I'm I'm going Raiders this week um, against the Vikings. I don't. I mean, not that. I, I mean, minus much. nine is the line. Yeah. So I I I know it's minus nine, but I and they're on the road, which isn't which isn't great. But I don't know. Like I'm just kind of rooting for this Raiders team, especially after all the stuff that went down for Anto- uh, this Antonio Brown situation. I'm just rooting for this Raiders team. They were up 10-0 um, early on the Chiefs. And, I mean, yeah. it was relatively early, but they're playing the Chiefs. And to hold – honestly, to hold the Chiefs to 28 points, maybe the Chiefs let their foot off the gas pedal a little bit um, last week. But – I think the Raiders are a little bit better than what people think. Um, they're playing tough and aggressive football. Um, and I think Minnesota's struggled a lot just offensively moving the ball. They're able to run it, but just I'm a little worried about some of the play calling and the offensive imbalance towards um, running the ball so heavily when they have – uh, two playmakers in Adam Thielen and um, Stefan Diggs. And while whatever your thoughts are on Kirk Cousins, like he was able to prove that he could throw the ball a little bit last year early on uh, to start the season, especially with mm-hmm. Adam Thielen and having that connection. Um, and I'm one. I'm I'm wondering if that change in offensive philosophy and moving away from uh, the John D. Filippo of thro- of la- uh, John D. Filippo system of throwing the ball a lot more last year, and just kind of being more concentrated on thro- uh, running the rock is going to cost them. 
um, throughout the season, especially with the innovative nature of the offensive um, kind of revolution that's going on in the NFL. And yeah, I'm a Raiders fan this week, I guess. So uh, that's my upset special for this week. I, I kind of like it. I mean, yeah, I, I do some agree with some of those points there. Why not? Why not? Let's go. I guess I'm on the Raiders, Raiders bandwagon. Let's go with John Gruden um, um, and John Gruden's equal twin. So we'll um, in uh, Mark Davis, right? So we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, last couple of games of the week, I believe we have the New York Giants versus the Buccaneers. I don't know what you want to say about this, about this, but other than maybe Daniel Jones uh, getting his first career start. Yeah, I think this is the Jones debut, and um, that's that's a major like tagline and storyline for me here. The Jones debut, and um, what it's a pretty soft secondary there in the Buccaneers. It's you know the Buccaneers were historically bad for their uh, secondary last year. Um, this is a good game to start off with, um, and to and to see what Jones has and. Let's let's see how the Grand Giants experiment goes. We'll have to see, but um, it, it's a good first game to start off with. Um, predictions for the game, I think. Yeah, I mean, Saquon Barkley playing against that guy in fantasy is so scary because don't you just, just give the ball to him twenty times a game, at least twenty five times a game? I think you have to. I think if, if you're a smart coach, you you just feed him the ball, but. For me at this point, 0-2 Giants. Not sure that they, you know, want to put that much wear and tear on Saquon. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a year of experimentation. The Jones experiment is off and running. Let's see how. Um, yeah, let's see what he's got. Let's have him throw the ball a few times. Not kill Saquon here. Yeah, exactly. And I I'm curious to see what ends up happening with that. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think we have Panthers-Cardinals. Two more games left. Yep. We got Panthers-Cardinals left and then Bears-Redskins left. So I'll give you the choice of which one you want to take and talk about, Mike. So, honestly, both of them are – I'll talk about the Monday one, which is Bears-Redskins here. And uh, what is your tagline for them, Bears-Redskins game on Monday night? Yeah, so for me here, I mean, I might might have an upset special here. Ooh, okay. Redskins at home Monday night showing something against the Bears. Okay. What's the reasoning going, going on upset special part two here? I mean, haven't you been a little bit impressed with the Redskins? Like, let's say that the Redskins had a schedule like the Bills here, where they are playing the Jets and um, the Giants. Like, I think they win those two games, right? The Redskins have not looked horrible, right? Um, And that's with some injuries to guys like, Case Keenum here, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, 69% completion, um, averaging 7.5 yards uh, per attempt. So he's not – I mean, Case Keenum looks pretty good here, and he's not really throwing too many weapons. 
Um, top targets are going to Kerry McLaurin, Chris Thompson, Vernon Davis. But the defense looks solid. Um, it, it, it's always been like a pretty decent defense. Um, the Bears, I, I, I'm going opposite special just because I'm not a huge fan of Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think he has it. Mm, that's interesting. I think it's uh I think it's a bold choice. I I mean I like it. Says a says a person doing minus nine on the Raiders. I know, I like it. I think I like it. Home dogs probably, so like I it's probably a good call and um and seeing whether or not they can pull it out and he pulled out some nice stats. Um yeah, and those two games against the Eagles and the Cowboys, those two teams look like two playoff teams in the NFC. Um, so maybe Washington's able to kind of show something uh, this next week. So for the Panthers and the Cardinals, my thoughts on this game are, is Cam Newton healthy? And I think that was being said throughout the telecast um, on Thursday night against the Buccaneers. And it seems like he injured his foot um and there was a lot of talk about him being inaccurate. And he started out seven for eight in that game and then went some crazy number of throwing under 50% um, completion rating or completion percentage the rest of the way. Um, and it seems like his status is unclear, unclear for this week. So it's whether or not he ends up playing and Kyle Allen um, who might start in his place. I would be lying if I told you I knew anything about Kyle Allen and what, what his potential is uh, for this Panthers game. So um, that's probably mildly troubling. And whether or not, you know, Kyler's able to get his first uh, NFL win um, representing the the Korean people. So got to be rooting for Kyler and uh, maybe hopefully getting his first career win. And I think I will like that if Cam isn't starting um, at all. So um, I guess that's it for week three. Um, we got two upset specials, it seems like. I got the Raiders <clears throat> against the Vikings. You got the Redskins against the Bears. We'll see if we're right on those. Um, Mike, to close out the podcast, let's talk about fantasy, obviously. Talk of, and we're texting all weekend about the dread of our fantasy teams. Mike, what ended up happening this week? Anything better to report on back in week two, or is it some of the same exact stuff that happened in week one? Yeah, yeah. So not, not a, a really bad week. I, I played – Honestly, the best team in one of my my first league, um, you know, they scored 150 points to my 94. And um, Lamar Jackson, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, T.Y. Hilton, even Devin Singletary, and the Patriots defense just put up numbers against me. So got destroyed. Defense. Eight, okay. 35 on me. So yeah, um, not not a great game there. Um, but you know, we'll bounce back. We're, we're, we've got a solid squad here just to down a week, not too worried. In my other league, unfortunately, just a real, just two real heartbreakers, right? Like the first week I played the worst team, the taco of my league, and, um, you know, all of a sudden Sammy Watkins goes for 40, and, and he has Patrick Mahomes, so I just lose based off that. Um, and my team puts up like third or fourth highest, right? Um, 
But for the second week, I was also up quite a bit against the uh, other team there. Um, you know, I, I have 20, I've got 18 points on him. Um, and I have, it's called Jarvis Landry, and he has Odell Beckham Jr. to play. I feel pretty good about that. I think that Jarvis Landry could, you know, at least get 18-plus something over OBJ, but uh, clearly I'm wrong. Clearly I need to drop Jarvis Landry and, and, and put in someone else here. Um, you know, if I put in Carlos Hyde like I thought I should, no, I still would have lost. Okay, never mind then. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was just a rough week of fantasy for my team here, and it's it's all Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers' fault. So I, I'm out on the Steelers. I'm out on them in, in the NFL. I'm out of them on fantasy. So I'm getting rid of Ben Roethlisberger. And, um, you know, James Conner hasn't been able to do much for me there. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking, looking, at, looking for trades and um, looking to make some moves. You hear that, guys? Anyone in Michael's League that's listening to the podcast, he's open for trades. Um, and now I also see where the uh, the animus for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers comes in in Michael's earlier talking points because, of of course, he has Pittsburgh Steelers on his fantasy team and they haven't been reforming. So uh, hopefully they're able to turn it around for you. Uh, my side of the story, not much better, Mike. Uh, ended up losing by 20 points in my league, um, in my Yahoo league. Uh, standard scoring, uh, just kind of struggled. Didn't at, once Christian McCaffrey started off the week, uh, performing, having a struggling performance in that Thursday night game. I just felt this dread in the pit of my stomach, kind of overtaking me, saying like, "Oh, it's going to be one of those weeks where all of my players just underperform." Um, Marlon Mack didn't didn't live up to the hype. Sammy Watkins for whatever reason wasn't getting really targeted at all didn't didn't live up to the hype at all uh Jared Cook unfortunately with the the Drew Brees injury it seems like he's not going to be able to be he's not going to be producing uh maybe I should join you on the the Pittsburgh hatred uh bandwagon but I have Juju on my team and it seems like his fantasy value is going to take a hit with uh, Big Ben being out for the rest of the season. Um, and Devonta Freeman did not perform for me as well either. Um, and we kind of alluded to the Atlanta Falcons struggles running the football. So that was my fantasy week. And then the other league that I'm co-managing a team, we ended up squeaking out a win. Uh, Carson Wentz thankfully was able to throw a touchdown, a couple touchdown passes. So that ended up helping us out and us progressing and winning um, in that league. And we have a pretty solid squad in the 12-team league. So um, we are pretty happy about that team and are looking forward to winning uh, week three. And I think we will win week three because we, we have our projected points is plus 20 over the next team so the or the team that we're facing so feel pretty positive about uh the matchup this week um in both of my leagues um are there any players Mike so I'm kind kind this is a personal fantasy question but I'm looking for a tight end to add off the waiver wire is there anyone that I should 
keep an eye out for. Right, and yeah, so it seems like a rough week on in fantasy for for the for the Wu Tang Clan here, but pretty confident that you know with uh, some trade magic, some waiver wire magic, uh, we're going to get back to the playoffs in the promised land next week. Exactly. So, Mike, is there any other? Like, I I think for me, Jared Cook is possibly a replaceable guy for me at tight end. So I'm maybe looking at Will Disley or one of those types of tight Mm -hmm. ends um, to add. Greg Olson had a pretty nice week with Cam uh, targeting him 11 times uh, during the week. So that's a possibility um, as a tight end add for for this week. Uh, Someone gobbled up Mark Andrews, who's the tight end for – uh, the Baltimore Ravens. So, um, Vance McDonald, potentially. I mean, he was a, a – if there's one stealer I want to have, it's a, it's a Mason Rudolph safety blanket and a red zone target. Two touchdowns last week. Um, I mean, you could also start looking into uh, probably not available in your league, but like a Darren Waller. Daddy's available, to be honest. But No, not available. But good thought. I think – Yep. Disley and McDonald make sense, so. Yep, one of those guys, um, especially with Drew Brees being out, it seems like Cook's value is going to take a hit as well. So uh, probably the only area of improvement that I really need. And after my loss in my Yahoo League, I still ended up being second because everyone's basically one and one except for one team's 2-0 and and one team's 0-2. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of parity in my league. So there's, I'm nowhere near out of, uh, out of the uh, league thus far. So that's all I'm pretty happy about. So Mike, I think we finished up all that we needed to talk about this week in the NFL. There's just so much NFL talk going on, uh, NFL stuff going on. So uh, make sure you guys tune in and listen to all the updated stuff that we have to talk about. Um, in the NFL uh, this week and be on the lookout next week for our NFL podcast. And tomorrow, or, or I guess we're releasing this on a Wednesday, but releasing this on a Thursday, be on the lookout for a three-man podcast with me, Tyler, and Hedging as we talk about the Premier League and the first games of the Champions League season. So mm-hmm. thanks, guys. For listening in, sadly, my Liverpool team lost today, so uh, I'll have to kind of go through the dread of talking about that. But uh, everything is good um, in the Wu-Tang Clan. So, guys, be on the lookout for that, and uh, thanks for listening. I got a girl with a mind on love. The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up And I'm addicted, I can't get enough